0: Do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there, I'm Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. You can call me Andrea. Thanks for listening to Talk About Talk. This is where we come to learn and talk about all things communication. My goal is to help you learn the communication skills that will catapult your career and enhance your relationships. Because when we communicate effectively, we can be a better manager, colleague, parent, partner, and friend. Today, we're talking about the communication channels or media that we use. You know, as in, should I text or pick up the phone? This is a common question that I get from talk about talk listeners. Actually, it's often not a question, but rather a complaint, usually about other people not using our preferred communication methods. So here's a question for you How do you feel about the phone, about making phone calls? Is it your go to, or do you dread calling people? And how do you feel when your phone rings? Do you love it or do you loathe it? It seems like many people have strong opinions about the phone. You may recall a few episodes ago when I interviewed Anna Serrano on the topic of authenticity, she admitted that her friends and family tease her about calling too much, often about things that she could have texted or emailed. But then there are people that do the exact opposite, right? In this episode, we consider all of the communication media choices that we have. You'll learn a few simple frameworks that list the important criteria for choosing which communication channel or media you should be using. Here's how the episode will go. First, I'll briefly introduce our guest, human resources expert Tamara Finley. And then we'll get right into the interview. At the end, I'll highlight the frameworks that she introduced. And yes, you can access this summary and the transcript anytime in the show notes on the Talk About Talk website. At the beginning of the interview, you'll hear our guest Tamara Finley highlight that, while more and more apps, platforms, and communication channels are being introduced, it seems that nothing is falling off. I think this is an important point. It's true, right? There are still typed letters, but also email and text and social media and the telephone and Skype or FaceTime and on and on the list goes. It's overwhelming and stressful to track all of these communication channels to decide which ones to use. And often our preferences and assumptions are not aligned with others. This is something that I often hear in my Talk About Talk podcast interviews with guest experts when I'm asking the five rapid fire questions at the end. That question is, which communication medium do you prefer for personal communication? I've definitely noticed a correlation between age and media choice, where several younger people seem to prefer text and email, while the older people seem to prefer phone and face-to-face. Now, of course, there are many exceptions, but my observation of this correlation is definitely what initiated today's podcast topic. All right, let's get into it. Let me introduce our guest expert, Tamara Finley. Tamara is a passionate, proactive, results-focused human resources leader who's known for translating business needs into integrated human resources solutions. In her career to date, she's helped firms ranging from startups to large global organizations maximize their people and culture as a competitive advantage. And she's done so in several industries, including financial services, wealth management, real estate, and technology, just to name a few. Tamara has a BA from Bishops, and she's earned her Human Capital Strategist And Chartered Director Designations. She's also earned an Executive MBA from the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland and an MBA from the Rotman School at the University of Toronto, so she definitely knows her stuff. Tamara is currently the Vice President of People and Culture at Progressa, a fast-growing fintech startup. Thank you so much for joining us, Tamara. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for including me. Okay, let's back up and provide some context first. What are the main media that you've observed people using at work to communicate?
1: Now, obviously there's all kinds. They're all your typical ones like email, text, chats, everything else. The list continues to grow and nothing's falling off. So I think that's where all of a sudden the pace of change is just so rapid fire. So as our world gets faster and faster and more complicated, I like to bring it back to basics. Why are we communicating? We're communicating because we want to connect with people. So we want to connect either intellectually or emotionally, or it's to do something. It's the more of the action piece of it. So it's either the head, the heart, or the hands. Right. And so depending on what you're trying to engage is going to depend on what communication style you're going to use or communication channel. So if you're trying to engage the head, you've got a lot more communication channels that you can use. You can pretty much use most of them. So whether it's email, text, in face-to-face, in meetings, pretty much any of it works. But when you're trying to connect with the heart, it's all about emotions. It's Ah. all about relationships. So nothing beats that more in-person, face-to-face, because 55% is the body language. Right. And so you lose all that. And that's why there's so many misinterpretations when it's heavily used of email or text or other communication methods other than the face-to-face.
0: And if you're in a sensitive context, as you said, if it's emotional or heart-driven, then perhaps that nonverbal communication is even more important.
1: Exactly. Because, and you want a bit of more of the two-way dialogue. It's really hard to have two-way dialogue in an email or a text.
0: That's a great point.
1: And then the hands, so the third H, so the three H's are the head, heart and hands. The third one, the hands, that's really where you can be quite directive and task oriented. And that's really where the written word is fine. And that's where emails, chat, text is absolutely fine.
0: Okay, so the hands just to clarify is about what we're doing next. It's clarifying next steps. For example, in a project at work could be could be a subordinate clarifying next steps with his or her boss or vice versa.
1: Exactly. Okay. Or or an event just confirming details, location, that type of thing.
0: Okay. You said so many things there that caught my attention that we could unpack your first point about more and more medium being introduced into our communication opportunities. Of course, that's true, but I hadn't actually thought about the fact that we are being overwhelmed with more and more apps, platforms and different communication medium and nothing's falling off.
1: It's so true. And it's interesting because having worked my entire career in more mature organizations that are quite traditional in terms of how we approach work. When I joined a fintech company just over a year ago, I had quite a bit of culture shock. So I was used to somewhat less paper, but this was literally no paper. All the offices or cubicles or open spaces, they were lucky that you got a drawer. So clearly it was all on the digital. And one of our key communication tools is Slack. Now it's, I think they would describe as a collaborative team tool. We use it for pretty much all our internal communications. You can do it individually as text messaging. You can do it as groups, which are called Slack channels. And I'm embarrassed to say that it took me probably over a month to figure out you could actually call
0: through Slack. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So just for some other context here, I have an episode on conquering your email inbox and Slack came up as an opportunity as a technology hack to conquer your email. And I read in a couple of articles that it is widely used within organizations and previously some industry observers or analysts thought that it may replace email, but it certainly isn't doing that. But it sounds like it's alive and well and doing, well, you tell me, does, does it work?
1: I think it's fantastic. Okay. It's certainly what I love. It was actually refreshing once I kind of figured it out. And you can also attach items to it as well, like a documents and what have you, and you can delete it and remove it if it's highly sensitive, confidential. So that's obviously a lot of the work that I do. What I love about it is that it's all internal. So if I'm looking or referencing back to anything from anyone within the organization, I go to Slack. Email typically is just for external. Okay. So this is really new to anyone over the age of 30, I'm sure, or anyone who's not in a startup environment, quite honestly. It'll take a while before large organizations, I'm sure there's groups within large organizations that
0: are using it. The other thing that you mentioned, your head, heart, And and hand. <laughs> framework is absolutely beautiful. It's probably an effective way of just making a simple decision about what communication tool you can use. So as an HR professional, do you hear from people or perhaps observe them failing to use the most effective communication medium? So not thinking about the three H's?
1: <laughs> of course. I think we all get caught up in that. And unfortunately, being in human resources, we often see the negative impact of that and the unintended consequences.
0: HR <laughs> is not hearing about the great wins. That's, I mean, unless someone's formally winning an award, probably, right? But they're not coming to you saying, guess what we did great today? <laughs> coming to you with problems, right? Exactly. So, so a lot of the time we're cleaning up messes, yeah. quite frankly. Have you heard of situations where either people are complaining about other other people not using their communication medium effectively, or that was your diagnosis, right? So there's something catastrophic happened within the organization. There was something blew up and then your diagnosis is, well, you know, what it may have been because of the communication medium. They should have been face to face when they were using text. For sure.
1: Obviously that's more of a regular occurrence as we get more and more communication channels. One of the things that we try to do is understand it's about behaviors but what's coming across and is being communicated to us is about a person.
0: Right. So, in your experience in helping people to communicate most effectively, have you noticed a correlation between age and media preference? <laughs>
1: I think it's That's obviously nice laugh. <laughs> so the reality is millennials are the first generation that have grown up with the internet. Right. So obviously their natural go-to and obviously gross generalizations is quick texts and things on their smartphone and all that. But just like with any other generation, you're going to get the full spectrum. Right. And as a Gen X, I love texting In the right circumstances.
0: So, we shouldn't be stereotyping broadly that everyone in Generation Z acts a certain way, everyone in Generation X acts a certain way, millennials act a certain way. But there probably, as you say, are some general trends. One of my listeners actually on social media was sharing his story about personally hiring a contractor. And this gentleman is in his, I think, his early 70s. Uh, He's working full time, highly productive, and he went to hire a contractor and this contractor insisted on emailing and texting him and he's like, we need to talk. He said, I gave him three shots where I said, we can set up a meeting or you can call me again. We can set up a meeting or you can call me three times. And then he said, I just let it go. I went to another guy. Yes, he was older. He came and saw me. We communicated through telephone and he got the job. So, I mean, there actually is something at stake here. To me, that story illustrates a gentleman who was trying to provide an olive branch, like, talk to me on my terms, and here's what they are. And it was ignored, and then the guy didn't get the job.
1: So I think it's a valid point. It's a two-way street. Again, know your audience. Regardless of the age of this gentleman, he preferred to communicate in person. If this is your boss and it's a preferred communication style, you learn to adapt. I actually created an acronym, ACE.
0: I love your (laughs) acronym.
1: I love that. Because it's helpful to remember, right? Absolutely.
0: Lists and acronyms. Let's do it.
1: Exactly. So it's ACE. Know your audience is the A. Okay. And is it individual? Is it group? What's their preferred method of communication? Okay. And then the C is content. So, why are you communicating? Is it confidential or not? And what is it that you're
0: communicating? And would that also be the head, heart, and hands thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. So, you actually have your 3H framework coming into your ACE acronym. <laughs>
1: exactly. I love it. Exactly. And then the E is the environment. A lot of the work I do is confidential. If I want to have a confidential discussion, knowing that the person that's on the receiving end is in a car with a bunch of other people... I clearly don't want to do it that way. I may choose to do a text or schedule some other time.
0: Brilliant. When you and I were preparing for this interview, I independently created a list of criteria for choosing the most appropriate and effective communication medium. And you've just gone through how you can use this ACE framework, but are there any other specific criteria?
1: Sure. Email is a great tool. If you're reconfirming decisions that were made, steps, next action items, if you want to go back and reference something, that's actually a great
0: tool. So that would be in your 3-H framework, that would be the hands?
1: If the hands, okay. exactly. Handwritten or typed letters, again, this comes back to what I said at the beginning where we just keep adding stuff but nothing's coming off. Some people may have forgotten about that, and in fact, as I thought about this, is like, could you even recognize your colleagues or friends'
0: handwriting at this point? Interesting question.
1: Yeah. So think of the impact that would have, though, if you actually gave someone a handwritten note.
0: True. Because it could blow them away.
1: Exactly, and it really would. You would stand out for sure. Yeah. It depends on what you're trying to do. Phone calls, face to face. Again, that's where coming back to. That's more of the heart. If you want to connect emotionally, if you want to brainstorm, if If you want a two-way dialogue, that's where that's probably the best
0: use. Another way of putting that, I think, is if the tone really matters. Of course, tone always matters. But if the tone really matters, if something's sensitive.
1: And you want to capture people's body language, that's where it comes into play as well. Got it. Now, one of the downsides of that is, which is really about collaboration, it just takes more time. So you have to factor that in and build that in. And that's why the other thing is I think people are defaulting to the texts or what have you is because it's fast. But what it does is it takes it off your plate and puts it on someone else's plate and you have no idea if they've actually caught that ball.
0: This is a slight diversion from this list of communication media options, but you're making me think about the implications of people working at home.
1: So you know what's interesting, if you do it remotely all the time, absolutely. And I I know of a company, how they've done this, because they've got a lot of remote workers around the world, which I found fascinating, Mm -hmm. is they have designated robots with video cameras that you can control remotely to do your drop-ins. Oh my
0: gosh. (laughs) We need to add this to our list of of
1: communication media options. It's a bit
0: mind-blowing, but where there's a will, there's a way. Wow. Wow you know where I thought you were headed? I thought you were going to say on the two days per week when you're at home, you do as much as you can on email, a little bit on phone, think about the things that you can't do face to face. And then on the two or three days when you're in your office, of course, that's when you book your formal meetings and you do your informal lunches or dropping by someone's office to say hello or to share something.
1: Absolutely. That's where you just have to be very diligent and really make a concerted effort. Okay. It's really hard to build relationships remotely. It's easier to maintain remotely. Ah. So even if you're a remote worker, it's if you can have that initial period of building. So whether you go there on site for a brief period of time up front then it's much easier to do that.
0: That could also be a criteria for choosing the media, right? So one of the other criteria that you can use for deciding which medium is most appropriate and effective is the stage of the relationship. That was not on my list before.
1: That's actually a really good way of looking at it. I haven't thought about it that way. But, but you just said it. But you're right. <laughs> you, <just> <laughs> you articulated it <that? laughs> back to me in a different way.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So all companies need to be technology companies. Mm-hmm. And it's all technology enabled. And we're saying that pretty much every company I know is saying we're trying to maximize people and cultures of competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. But the people that are winning in this are really the ones that can execute effectively on it.
0: Right. What do you think about Zoom call? or Skype calls or FaceTime?
1: I think it's a great proxy for face-to-face. Obviously, you need to have good technology and bandwidth so it can be effective. Mm -hmm. It's not 100%, but it's definitely better because you do see some of the body language. You do see some of the interaction if it's more of a group thing, but you still don't get it all because once the video is turned off, you have no idea what's going on
0: (laughs) afterwards. That's right. There's the explicit conversation that's going on and then there's the subtext. Text, right. Exactly. And, you know, I, unless you're face to face talking to someone, there's often a subtext. And even in board meetings, we think about people texting each other under the table, right? They've oh, literally got their phone under the table and they're texting other people around.
1: Oh, for sure. One of the key things that I learned and really resonated with me is is really maximize that subject line. I'm one of these people that gets bombarded with emails. I'm just scanning. If the subject line attracts my attention, then I open the email. Otherwise, it remains closed forever.
0: Right. I actually mentioned that in the podcast episode about conquering your email inbox. You can use it to highlight important details. I guess especially, again, back to your point about email, it's the hands, it's the tasks and the next steps. And what better way to highlight that?
1: Exactly. So you want in terms of action required by date, you want to highlight whatever the key critical items are in the email. The other thing that I learned, how do you know what you're communicating is being received as
0: intended? Great question.
1: That's why we have a lot of these challenges is because there's so much room for misinterpretation when it's just words on paper in email, what have you, and not the full body language and nonverbal cues. Email is really more about one way. Yes, you could argue it's two way, but how do you know they've even opened your email? Right. How do you know they've read it? How do you know they've actioned it?
0: So I think that's one of the reasons that emojis have become so popular so quickly, right? Is people are saying, I want to make sure the person knows I'm being sarcastic. So I'm going to put a little winky emoji, or I want to make sure the person understands that that was a joke. So I'm going to put the laughter emoji.
1: That's a very (laughs) valid point. (laughs) They're trying to put a bit of the emotion, accentuating their key message.
0: Right. But it's almost a cliche, right? That you're not sure if the person was serious or not, and it's email and oh boy. You're missing so much context of the communication.
1: Right, exactly. So
0: I have another question for you related to email. What do you think about Reply All?
1: I'm not a big fan, and it really depends on what it is. If it's something that's of value to everyone on the distribution list, then it makes sense. The majority of the time, I don't believe that it actually adds any value and it just clutters people's email box even more. And it makes you look bad because you're not valuing and respecting their time or their inbox, so to speak.
0: Right. So I I agree 100%. I think people need to really think hard about each individual. And if you're like, well, I can't think about each individual, well, then take them off the list.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So again, that comes to ace, right? Audience. Absolutely. So who is your audience? And then you go into the content. So why are you communicating? What value is it to them? So that's why I really like these two frameworks, because you can pretty much bring it all back to that.
0: That's fantastic. So we can fold in all the other criteria that we talked about. Some communication medium may be more expensive. So I'm thinking at the extreme is you have to fly to another continent or whatever, another city to meet with someone face-to-face. That's kind of the extreme cost, right? And That's pretty much the only
1: one that really has a cost associated to it because I would argue the other costs are the cost of doing business. If you don't have access to some type of video conference in today's day and age, then I don't know how you're still in business, to be honest. Yeah. Really, the it's the travel cost for the face-to-face, and that's where hopefully there's been some budget in for the initial relationship building, and then the maintaining can be done in the video conference conferencing or other methods. Uh,
0: The other side of cost that's not monetary, though, is the convenience factor, the time factor. And there's kind of two ways of thinking about that as well. There's how much time is it costing me to produce this communication, this one way communication that I've initiated. And then for the receiver, it's do they have to respond immediately or is, for example, picking up the phone, right? Or can they do it on their own time? And this is what I hear from a lot of younger people. I'd rather text or email because then I get it off my plate and it's to the person when it's convenient for them to respond. <laughs> yeah, head nods. I mean, so, but I'm basing this comment about older people preferring phone based on the five rapid fire questions. And I always ask, what's your communication medium of choice for casual conversations? And there is a very, very high correlation between age and media choice where older people are very consistently saying face-to-face in the phone and younger people are saying text and email. And
1: again, I think it all comes down to the environment we all grew up in. And it depends how much of a learner you are. I'm a lifelong learner. I love learning about new tools and new things. And if there's a better, faster way of doing it, absolutely. But this also reminds me, it's more about how millennials approach work in general. Mm. And an example is when work has been assigned to me as a Gen X, I think, okay, these are all my tools, such as Microsoft Office, what have you, how can I make the tools work for me to get my job done? What I've been fascinated and absolutely love is what I've seen millennials, they'll first Google Anything uh, and reach out, including to- the
0: how to, like exactly. how to do what I've been just told to do
1: exactly, and reach out to their network, and they can get a far more comprehensive solution way faster. That's not even the future, this is the now, right? So, quite frankly, mm-hmm. I think some of the dinosaurs need to start adapting, but also the millennials need to also adapt. I think there is a happy medium, and it's knowing when to use what.
0: Right. So I just recently, whenever an appliance breaks, so my, first it was my dishwasher was leaking and then my refrigerator started leaking. Guess what? I fixed both by going to YouTube. And my, wow. husband, yeah, my husband is like, what the heck? And I said, so the poor appliance repair people, they're being outsourced to YouTube. Although some of the more pioneering ones are actually producing the YouTube videos and they are getting tens of thousands of hits.
1: Well, and I think this all comes to uh, technological advances in general. All the basic stuff. Absolutely. How fantastic is that? Because leave the repair people to do the complex stuff. I'm sure that's what they want anyway. They don't want to be doing the basic stuff. Yeah. So you can apply that to pretty much any work. So as long as it's continuously learning and growing, and we all need to do that, you're either going forward or going backwards. There's no
0: standing still. Ah. I will quote you on that. <laughs> I like that. Is there anything else you want to add? I think one of the most important things that I learned from this conversation is the audience content and environment acronym. So the ACE acronym, and then within that, particularly the under the C content the head, heart, and hands framework. Is there anything else you want to add for listeners just to think about when they're choosing which medium to use for communication?
1: I think a good reminder is just remember we're all human. We're not robots. It's a good reminder to just to pause and think about why they're doing what they're doing. Sending the right communication to the right people at the right time.
0: Brilliant. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the five rapid fire questions. So first question, what are your pet peeves?
1: I think my biggest pet peeve is closed mindedness. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. I think it's really important that everyone does.
0: Right. I can imagine someone coming into your office who's struggling and you may be diagnosing the fact that they are not a lifelong learner and they don't have an open mind.
1: I think the reason why people aren't is because of fear. Mm-hmm. And so then it comes back to the scarf model. Right. You're either moving forward or backwards. There's no standing still. So people may think they're standing still when actually they're being left behind.
0: Ah, uh, Brilliant. That is absolutely eloquent. And I am definitely going to quote you one. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to end up in a big red box on social media. Perfect. <laughs> Next question. What type of learner are you?
1: I'm a fast learner for sure. And I learn by doing. So doing and
0: seeing. Okay. Question number three, introvert or extrovert?
1: I was going to say, you guess, but I definitely get my energy from people. So I guess that makes me an extrovert.
0: I can definitely tell that you are an extrovert. (laughs) Probably love being interviewed, but also doing interviewing.
1: For sure. I I love both sides of it. Yeah,
0: I can see that. Okay. Question number four, communication preference for personal conversations.
1: So my my bias, I put it out there, my personal preference, because I'm a relationship person. I love people and really connecting emotionally one-on-one. So I'm all about the face-to-face.
0: Okay, last rapid fire question. Is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most?
1: The first one that jumps to mind is Fast Company. Are you familiar with Fast Company?
0: I subscribe.
1: I absolutely love it. I was very excited when uh, Fast Company went Online. I'm a techie gut heart. I actually started as a computer programmer in electronic banking at one of our big uh, five uh, banks. And uh, meander my way into HR. So uh, I love all their uh, focus on new technology, on innovation, and that really uh, fuels my uh, creativity. I'm
0: with you and I will gladly share a link for the listeners to that. Is there anything else?
1: I'm trying to think of, I've got a few others. Another one that actually um, is a friend of mine's daughter Her name is Allegra Shaw, and she's a a lifestyle and fashion blogger, Instagrammer, and YouTuber. And she's been doing it since she was in high school. Mm. And because she's a millennial, I'm fascinated how they choose to communicate and interact with each other and the broader population.
0: So I'll get the link from you for her as well? For sure,
1: for her Instagram account and uh, YouTube channel.
0: Is there anything else you want to add to share with listeners about choosing the optimal communication medium for their communication?
1: I think it's just, again, another reminder that we're human and humans want to connect we've got an inherent want and need to connect emotionally so just pause before you just start hitting send or firing things off and uh, just again I think the frameworks are helpful especially the, uh, the head heart and hand to figure out what it is you're trying to do and why
0: brilliant thank you very much for your time and for your insights Tamara
1: you're welcome my pleasure thank you for having me That was
0: fantastic. Wow, I learned a lot from Tamara. That was a fun interview. Did you hear us laughing? I especially like the frameworks that Tamara outlined. Frameworks can be incredibly helpful because they're easy to remember, right? So let me briefly summarize them for us now. First, there's the ACE acronym, where A equals audience, C equals content, and E equals environment. And within ACE, under the C for content, there's the 3H framework, where the three H's are head, heart, and hands. So yeah, I guess this is a framework inside of a framework, but it does a great job of highlighting everything we should consider when choosing a communication channel. <laughs> Starting with ACE then, first there's A equals audience. We need to consider the other parties with whom we're communicating. I love that this point, the audience is first, because it really is the most important thing. This is also where the age thing comes up. Remember at the beginning I mentioned the correlation between age and media preference for communication? It's true that millennials are digital natives, and they're often most comfortable with texting, for example. But as Tamara reminds us, we should never overgeneralize. There are plenty of younger people who love the phone, and older folks who prefer texting. There are also other important audience-related criteria to consider, like is the audience an individual or a group? And importantly, what's their preferred method of communication? Last under audience, we should also consider the stage of the relationship. If it's a newer relationship, face-to-face is probably ideal. Later on, texting and email can maintain that relationship, but it's very difficult to build a relationship without some face-to-face contact. Then, the second part of the ACE acronym is C for content. This is where we can think of head, heart, or hands. This is a way of considering which communication channel we should use for which type of content. First, head. Tamara said that if you're trying to engage the head, you've probably got a lot more communication channels you can use, and you can pretty much use any of them. This is the objective kind of content that's less emotional. You might want to consider the preference of the other person here, or the extent to which you're trying to engage the other person in a two-way dialogue. It's more difficult to have a meaningful two-way dialogue in an email or a text, for example, versus face-to-face or on the phone. The second H is heart. When you're trying to connect with the heart, it's all about emotions. It's all about relationships. If the content is emotionally charged, it could be because it's a huge decision, or because open dialogue is ideal. Nothing then beats in-person or face-to-face communication. And if that isn't possible, try a conference call. And if that's not possible, then the phone is probably the next best, because at least you can hear the other person's tone of voice. And the last of the three H's? Hands. So if the content of the communication is directive or task-oriented, like say confirming next steps or location and timing details, the written word, like in emails or text, is just fine. Back then to the ACE acronym, we've already summarized A equals audience and C equals content. The last element is E equals environment. This is where you can consider other factors such as timeliness, confidentiality, or financial cost in choosing how to communicate. All right. That's it for this episode. I hope you found this helpful and I really hope you'll try the ACE and the 3H frameworks and let me know how it goes. I leave you with just two things. The first is that in this week's Talk About Talk email blog, I'm planning to list all of the communication channels or media and highlight the pros and the cons of each. So that'll be very helpful for us. If you're already signed up for the email blog, you'll receive it automatically. If you're not signed up yet, just go to the TalkAboutTalk.com website to do so. And you'll also receive a free printable PDF of the ABCDEs, the five simple steps to improve your communication skills. And you can always find all of the past blogs on the TalkAboutTalk.com website under the blog tab. The second and last thing I want to leave you with is this quote from Tamara. She actually said this twice in the interview. She said, quote, You're either moving forward or backward. There's no standing still people may think they're standing still when actually they're being left behind. I love that. Thank you to Tamara Finley for sharing your expertise with us. And thanks to you for listening. Talk soon.